With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey folks, before we get into this week's episode on the Golf Unfiltered podcast, I would like to ask for a favor. If you could go out and please rate us five stars on iTunes or Android or anywhere that you download this uh, podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. And here's why we ask this. Chances are you probably listen to other podcasts as well, and they all end up asking their listeners to do this at some point. The reason why is because the way that iTunes works is the more ratings that go to a podcast, the higher that it goes in the rankings. And really what that's going to equate to are more people listening to the show. It's going to show up uh, higher in the search uh, results whenever anyone puts in golf in this instance. And it's really going to allow us to have a greater scope of listenership so that we can bring better guests to you. So if you like what we do here at Golf Unfiltered, and certainly uh, we hope that you continue to listen and certainly spread the word around, uh, quick shout out to my new listeners over at the the Hackers Paradise uh, radio network, by the way. Please be sure to go out Rate us five stars. Feel free to leave a, re- a review if you'd like. You can write anything you want. The funny thing, the funny ones, I typically get a good chuckle at, and I, I will read a few on there if they're extremely, uh, extremely funny. So go out and do that. Would really appreciate it. Until then, let's check out this episode. There's got to be a statute of limitations. There's got to be a rule that says at the end of at the completion of play, it's done. All right, friends and neighbors, it's your buddy Adam again from Golf Unfiltered. Uh, I am the editor-in-chief over at GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered. And send me an email at the new email address, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. Uh, we've taken a little bit of a break away from talking about golf news as of late, but it's time to get back into it. Uh, and with me is a friend of the podcast, uh, Mr. Dan Hauser, for, uh, contributor to Lynx Magazine. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, and I'm glad that uh, I have someone such as yourself on the show today to talk about a topic that uh, I feel I haven't had the chance to really talk about too much, and that is... Uh, not only the Lexi Thompson rules snafu, but just really this whole concept of viewer call-ins, and it's just seemed to, to have become an epidemic, wouldn't you say? Yeah, epidemic would be uh, put it nicely, and especially after uh, Phil threw some some uh, flames into that fire. Now I think it's even taken taken off even more. Definitely, and so we're we're going to get to that as well. And I think there's just so much uh, about this topic that I want to you know dig into here, Dan and. You know, it's interesting because on social media, everyone's either taken one side or the other. And I think the predominant opinion that uh, even the most casual golf fans have is that viewer call-ins just should not be a thing. And so before we get any further, what's your overall viewpoint on the concept of somebody watching a golf tournament, seeing something through the lens of an HD camera, and then calling in to uh, basically play gotcha? Well, for starters, it's unfair. 
because it only applies that means that the rule enforcement in theory only applies to those that are on TV, which are is typically those the best golfers and the most polarizing golfers are the ones that happen to be in the lead. I mean, they don't televise every shot from every golfer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's unfair in the sense that only certain golfers are shown on TV. And then on top of that, you know, don't get me wrong, the in, the you know, the invention of the HD TVs and the DVRs and the ability to stop and pause and rewind has been fantastic for everything in life except for this, I think. Because sure, you can sit there and dissect everything at home, but I mean, you know, golf's still about integrity. Golf's still about, you know, kind of the natural speed of the game. I mean, it's the only sport that doesn't have instant replay, you know, and, and you could argue for that reason. Now, I will say, since a lot of conversations get brought up about other sports, that if you were to look on the other side of that, then in all the other sports, there's a referee constantly watching everything going on within play. As we know, in golf, there isn't because there's not a rules official assigned to every single group. So from that standpoint, you know, if you wanted to kind of nitpick and pick a, a side that would say, OK, well, I could see the reason why it would be OK. That could be one you could go with just because they don't have a rules official walking with every group, which I'm hoping that after this Lexi Thompson thing, that will change. And I feel like it needs to change. But once again, I still don't think that that's legitimate enough to have somebody sit on his couch drinking a beer and eating nachos to say, hey, ha ha ha, I caught you doing something you're not supposed to, you know, right? for right. lack of a better term. Yeah, no, I hear you loud and clear. And, you know, I agree with you. I think, you know, speaking of that Lexi Thompson situation at the A&A Inspiration a couple weeks ago, um, you know, I was actually watching the tournament with uh, my wife and uh, we had just been flipping through the channels. And I'll be honest, I, I don't make it a point to watch many LPGA tournaments, but when the majors come around, I try to watch a few holes and absolutely. And, and this particular tournament, it was turning into, you know, I like Lexi Thompson. She's one of my favorite players on that tour and she was leading. She was leading by a considerable amount. And I said, Hey, why not tune in? And we did. And it just so happened that, you know, everything occurred. Uh, it was the final round and everything was, was basically unfolding in front of us. Uh, it was just such enthralling television. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, Dan, I think the thing that really bothered me the most, and certainly it bothered my wife as well, somebody who is certainly a casual golf fan, uh, and, and but, but definitely has her, her uh, she's a fan of certain players, and she has her favorites as well, and Lexi being one of them. You know, we're sitting there and we're watching, and the first thing that came up, of course, was the television viewers knew long before the players knew Let's kind of you know dig into that a little bit. I mean, what is the what is the the benefit of allowing the television viewers to know something before the actual players who are going to be affected by it know? Well, exactly. You know, another popular uh, conversation and things that get brought up is you know growing the game, and I don't understand how something like that is going to grow the game. You just brought up an example of a casual golf fan watching that, and that's got to be disconcerting to the casual golf fan to think now why do I want to go ahead and go out and try to do this. When, you know, this is something like this could very well happen. Now, honestly, now, obviously, I should say when we do um, when we play, I should say recreational golf, you know, nobody's watching us on TV. And for the most part, if we're out with friends, you know, we might be a little bit more lax with the official rules of golf. But once again, that brings up the fact that maybe maybe they're a little too strict at times. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, But, yeah, so I don't I don't see how something like that can help grow the game because if anything, it would be discouraging for somebody at home watching it, it, whether they're watching golf for the first time, or like you said, they only tune in, you know, for a couple holes during the majors here and there to see that and say, well, wait a minute, you know, how's this fair? It's not really relatable if they're, if they're a fan of other sports to really be able to, to relate the two together in that situation. 
You know, I, that's that's very well said. And, you know, it just gets to that point of, all right, well, I'm watching this, and you're telling me that somebody can get penalized the day after. Uh, it's just, it, it really rubs people the wrong way. And, and even people who are more than casual golf fans, like you and me, and it, it's just, it's awful. You know, I just, I could, if there was anything about it, I could not believe that they were going through the sensationalistic approach of letting the television viewers in on something, and then we were all going to watch what unfolded afterwards. And, you know, thank God that uh, my wife actually brought this up. You know, thank God that the her, Lexi's caddy stood between her and the camera because, yeah. you know, the camera was right there to see how Lexi was going to uh, yeah. respond to this. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned the fact that it happened on Saturday. Now, granted, I didn't watch the third round. Um, of of the tournament, nor did um, I. I didn't either. I didn't even really, and honestly, I wasn't even really watching much of the fourth round. I was actually at a friend's house, um, hanging out, and I got an alert. You know, I just happened to fire up Twitter on my phone, scrolling through. You know, because I just gotten done with the tour coverage for that day, and I, I fired up my phone and I and I you know saw an alert, and I quickly you know went and and turned it on, and, and just in time to kind of see you know that that reaction that we all unfortunately saw on TV with the rules official talking to her. But yeah, so the fact that it happened the next day. I mean, there's got to be. If, it's fine if we're going to continue to have viewer call-ins, and if that's the way the, the the professional golf wants to handle it, then you know what? Then we we really can't do anything about that. That's for them to decide. So if they're not going to put a rules official with every person, and they're going to continue to have viewer call-ins, there's got to be a statute of limitations. There's got to be a rule that says at the end of at the completion of play, it's done. It's done. It's over. I mean, think about it. Let's let's put it to you this way. Think about this. What if if that hadn't happened Sunday? And she had won, and she had won by four, five, six, seven shots. You know, let's oh, actually no, let's just say she won by four shots. And on Tuesday, Tuesday night, somebody's sitting on their couch watching the golf channel, watching the re- the replay that they, you know, so often show during the week, and said, "Well, wait a minute." So you're telling me on Tuesday, three days after the tournament's over, that they could call that in and mm. they would strip the title and make those two go back out there and play that round over again? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, that's 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 insane. Not to mention the fact that, once again, if you'd like to enforce that rule and it'd be okay with somebody calling in on Sunday about something happened Saturday. Okay. Give her the two stroke penalty for incorrectly marking the ball. Once again, I don't agree with it, but if that's what the rule is going to state, then that's fine. And we can't really do anything about it. But how on earth are you going to assess her a two stroke penalty for signing an incorrect scorecard? When, when she signed that scorecard on Saturday at the end of her round, that was a 100% accurate scorecard because nothing had been called in. So fine. Give her the two stroke penalty and say, okay, you incorrectly marked your ball, here's two strokes. But to give her a two-stroke penalty for an incorrect scorecard when it was correct at the time she signed it, I, that's that to me is the whole mind-boggling and asinine part of this entire thing was you're telling somebody that was, had signed a correct scorecard that they didn't, but right. she didn't know that it was incorrect when she signed it. Yeah, that's the it's thing. Just, I, I still can't wrap my mind around that, even to today. It's like entrapment. It's like, I mean, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's like, it's oh. golf entrapment. Yeah, it's golf entrapment. That's the hashtag for this episode. Yeah, right. Golf and hashtag. <laughs> so, you know, that's a good point, Dan. And, you know, it's that, that is just the if, if the viewers knowing before the players knew is the big thing. One B would be the fact that they're they're penalizing her even further for signing an incorrect scorecard that was completely correct at the time when she signed it. You know, I think you're you're dead on too. I mean, there has to be a statute of limitations at some point, and there's so many analogies that we can bring up. You brought up a few as well. I mean, if it's a matter of, uh, you know, how long after the fact could we call in? I mean, for crying out loud, I know you watched the Masters. I watched the mm-hmm. Masters. You know, the whole thing with Sergio's golf ball. 
Oh you my know, god, yeah. <laughs> that that the ball it definitely did something, but it didn't do anything to the level that would give him an advantage. If anything, it made it a disadvantage because what I was just I gonna saw, say, yeah. <laughs> it, it sunk deeper in the pine needles. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, at any rate and, and obviously people were trying to call in and But look how quickly they got that resolved though. They did, because Augusta said, Not here, we're not gonna do nope. it. <laughs> no nope, You can call in all you want to other places, but not in our house. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But so you know, the fact is though, uh, that happened, and obviously a player, a very talented player, lost out on a major. Um, but we also we also can't negate the fact that after all that happened, and she found out she went from tied for the lead to four shots out of the lead, and she was obviously incredibly emotional, she fought back and sent it to a playoff. She, she had a did. shot on the 18th green in regulation to win that thing and then again in the playoffs. So, I mean, yeah. we do have to bring that up, too, in terms of how gritty that was of a performance coming on the stretch there. It was one of the wildest things I've ever seen in this sports context. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, Lexi, I don't know how... I doubt she's going to be listening to this, but Lexi, if you do, <laughs> well done, <laughs> yeah, right. because that was just so impressive. Uh, Golf clap to, to, to you. <laughs> exactly right. But, um, you know, what's been interesting, it, this obviously happened a couple weeks ago. And as time has gone on and more people are being asked about this situation, uh, we're beginning to learn a little bit more just about golf in general and the, the way and the habits that people have, good and bad. And you actually referenced something earlier uh, in this conversation. Phil Mickelson, uh, in a press conference at the Masters, was asked about the Lexi Thompson situation. And he actually brought up a claim that there are some PGA Tour pros that he knows of that are a little bit, to use his words, lax in marking their golf ball. Uh, when you heard about that news, th did that surprise you in any way that, that Phil would actually bring that up? Well, first off, nothing that Phil ever says surprises me, which is why his <laughs> press conferences are by far the must-see TV events of the week. And in terms of his, the Masters, I would say Masters and Ryder Cup are probably the two must-see uh, press conferences of, of the season, you know, on, on Ryder Cup years and, and, of course, you know, every year at the Masters. Um so the, the fact that he said that did not surprise me just because it's Phil. Um, but also the fact that that happens uh, doesn't really surprise me either. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I can honestly say that every time I play around a round of golf, when I put a marker down, I, I would be surprised if every single time I put it back in the exact same location to like a centimeter right. that it was when I picked it up. And that's not, for, that's not a, a matter of me cheating or not cheating or try to gain an advantage or not an advantage. That's just a matter of the fact that you pick the ball if you put it back down. Sometimes, because of the way that the green is set up or the way your your ball is sitting, sometimes you can't put it back in the exact same spot. If you happen to be on a, on a, on a slope or you know a little undulation or just a, a pitch mark is there or something like that, I mean, it, it'll roll a, a little bit. And you know, you try to put it back after a while. I mean, unless you want to spend you know 10, 15 minutes trying to put a ball back in that spot and being that guy who holds up everybody behind you, you just kind of put it down and you hit your putt. So now, honestly, I, once again, I understand that we're not professionals. But at the same time, if golf is supposed to be the same sport that when we watch the professionals play it and, and golf and, you know, all the governing bodies have made a point by not having separate rules to say that what you watch on TV is what you what you play at home recreationally. Then, yeah, I mean, if I'm not able to place the ball back at the same exact uh, precise point every time or just, you know, I put it back down and go if it's not necessarily for a competitive advantage, then I'm sure with these guys with the green speeds that they're they're playing on and the types of greens they're playing on, it's not always going to necessarily be the same. And especially once another, another thing that's different is you and I play, if there's a spike mark on the green, I mean, I don't know about you. I'm going to fix it. If I'm playing in a casual round, it's fine. These guys can't fix it. So sometimes spike marks can cause that ball to move or not be in the same spot 
um, when they put the ball back down as well, which, you know, there were talks that that's what happened with Lexi Thompson. So, mm. I mean, it's, it's just you're talking about fractions of an inch. You yeah. know, how can you really monitor a fraction of an inch sometimes? Now, okay, sure, yes, we have slow-mo replay to do that, but golf isn't one of those sports that has timeouts or the ability to stop play and look at a replay monitor. It's going. It's constantly going. There's groups behind you. There's groups in front of you. You have to keep a pace of play, so they can't just stop it and say, well, wait a minute, hold on. Did that ball move a fraction of an inch? You know, right. it's, it's, it's not the same as other sports. You have to kind of treat it like it's different. <laughs> because it is, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely absolutely right. And, you know, I have a confession. I mean, when I'm playing golf, <laughs> you know, if there's going to be a situation where I'm marking my golf ball and my golf ball sitting in a little bit of a you know, like a dimple or an impression. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. I'm going to move that ball over a little bit. Sure. Because so would everybody. So, yeah, I mean, we, we all it. would. Yeah. We and, all would. <laughs> and, and, and I guess to the letter of the law and for professional golfers, that would be in violation. And I completely understand that. And so, you know, there are two sides to this coin, pun intended, where you kind of have to look at it from both ways. And I actually got into a couple Twitter conversations today um, with some other writers and listeners to this can go and follow my Twitter account and Dan's Twitter account as well. You can follow him at Dan Hauser. Uh, and we, we interact with people and everyone's got different opinions on this. And so the, the opposite side of this whole debate is the concept of fairness to the field. You know, if somebody, I mean, all these, all these men at least are playing for, in many instances, millions of dollars. The women are playing for a good chunk of change as well. Is there an advantage and is there a reason to protect the field for such something as seemingly insignificant as marking your your golf ball correctly? I mean, if, if it's something absolutely egregious, you know, sure. But in the sense of what we're talking about in that situation and even what Phil's talking about, I mean, we're talking about fractions of inches here. We're not talking about, oh, hey, you hit it to five feet and now – you're going to mark your ball and put it – you're only putting for two feet. I mean, sure, that's a little bit egregious. But when we're talking <laughs> about fractions or of, a, of an inch or, you know, I mean, such a small, minuscule distance, it's like how much is that really going to benefit? Now, some will say, okay, well, if your ball's resting up against a spike mark and you mark it and then you put it back down on the other side of the corner, now your ball's not resting up against a spike mark, you'll get a more natural roll. Sure, I agree. That's also, you know, well, hopefully a lot of this will also be changed with that new – the rule goes into play where, where the pros can fix the spike marks on the green right. because then that won't happen anymore. Right. But at the same time, listen, if if the PGA Tour is going to still allow metal spikes and you're going to have spike marks, like why should another golfer be penalized for that? That's a good point. I mean, you, you, you want everyone to have an even, an even playing field, right? Well, that guy that goes off first group out of the morning at 7.30 a.m. is going to have pretty much perfect greens because nobody has walked on them for the morning. But so now you're telling me on a Saturday or Sunday, the leader who tees off at two thirty in the afternoon and they're supposed to be, um, you know, at, at an advantage, you, you should say you're supposed to be rewarded for having a lead. Well, now you're going to make them you're going to have them putt on greens that have been chewed up all day. OK, that's fine. But then their ball's not going to run putt pure. Right. And they're actually going to be at a disadvantage for having the lead instead of going out early in the morning. So which, which gets once again, your... I, it's. Which goes to your point earlier about how golf is just simply different. I mean, there's depending yeah, on the time of day absolutely. that you play, you're going to be playing on a different playing surface. It's not like any other sport, and so your your point is well, well well taken. And that's fine. And there's certain parts of that. Obviously, the game's played outside, so you can't control the weather. Obviously, but something as simple as a spike mark causing the ball to bounce one way or roll a different way on the green 
you can control that. And, and once again, I think, you know, one rule kind of leads, it, it kind of snowballs. One rule kind of leads to another rule, which kind of leads to another rule. So hopefully when they finally implement this spike mark rule, um, hopefully that will help in terms of the ball marking rule. If, if that really was the case that, that, that this is happening because of those spike marks, which, you know, I, I don't know. One can only assume. I mean, obviously, um, the talk after the, the whole thing with Lexi Thompson was that it was a possible spike mark that she was moving the ball away from. So I'm only going off of what was reported sure. uh, in this entire scenario, of course. But, um, you know, it's just it's 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 it comes down to the rules of golf being too complicated and more common sense sometimes need to just, needs to just be implemented into the game. Yeah, if only common sense. You know, I love how yeah, they, right? they, they call it common sense, but it's not always yeah. that common. Far from it. Far yeah. from it still. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. I mean, because I think there's the two worlds. I mean, obviously, whenever any of these things happen, there's the two. There's the argument of golf existing in two worlds. There's the world for the professionals and then the world for Dan and Adam, you know, the, the, the amateurs that don't go and play uh, professional events. And should there be a bifurcation of the rules? You know, personally speaking, and I want to get your take on this too, Dan, I mean, I feel that it would make sense to have a different set of rules or an equipment um, for for the professionals. I mean, I, I feel that that's just the thing that makes the most sense. Absolutely. I would I would 100% agree with you on that. Um, I mean, there, we, we, there, we clearly already play a different game anyway. I mean, I'm not hitting drives 330 yards. I'm sure exactly. you're not hitting drives 330 yards. So already that just from that standpoint, we're playing different games in terms of the tee boxes we play from, clubs we're hitting into greens, how our scores are. So, I mean, if – if we're already playing a different game from an equipment standpoint, why not just play a different game from the rules standpoint too? I mean, there's there's so many rules that it's not even that I have a disregard for them. It's just that they don't really factor into my round of golf, so I don't really abide by them. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm the um, same way. Absolutely. When you know, if I if I hit a ball, you know, out of bounds or or into a hazard off the tee. I'm not going to re-tee it up on the tee box. I'm just going to go to the spot no. where it went out of bounds. I'm going to drop a ball and I'm going to hit it. I mean, I'm not going to... Because the people on the tee box are going to get mad at you. <laughs> well, like, not only that, but what's to say I'm not going to hit that exact same shot again and then I'm going to lose another ball. Like, oh, I've already lost true. a ball. I don't want to lose another ball. We don't get those for free like they do. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You know? That's very true. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, I hit a perfect tee shot in the middle of the fairway. The ball happens laying in a divot. I mean, why should I be penalized for that, you know? I, you know I'm not going to sit there and... And move the ball significantly forward, but if I move it, you know, just to the right or the left out of the divot or even in back of it, just so I have a clean fairway shot. I mean, why should I be penalized for doing something that, quite frankly, for us the the average golfer is kind of difficult sometimes. You put it, you put a tee tee shot right where you want to, right, you know, in the spot of the fairway. You should be rewarded for that. So, yeah. you know, so you have something, you have a situation like that, or you know, just I mean, it's we can figure that out on our own. The common sense of golf, so to say, like I can figure out on my own that you. The, the best ways to play that makes it the most fun and takes the least amount of time and, and, and kind of keeps it moving for everybody. So if I can figure that out, I, it's just it's baffling to me sometimes that the RNA or the USGA or the PGA of America can't also figure that out. Yeah, I, you know, I think I always, I always had this feeling that the RNA and the USGA, they're, they're trying so hard to protect something so archaic that – I, don't, I mean, do they think that the world's going to end if they if they you know don't you know change these rules that you know uh, their grandfathers and their grandfathers great grandfathers play? I don't know. I mean, it's just it's silly because you're right. I mean, there's so many things about the rules of golf that just go completely against common sense, and 
to your point. But hey, that ball. But hey, that ball doesn't need to be dialed back at all, right? Oh, the equipment issue is not a problem. <laughs> but but anchored putting though, anchored putting though, you know, yeah. I have to hit out of a divot, but anchored putting is illegal. Oh God, <laughs> that's just enough. We could have a whole podcast yeah, on right. that, I'm sure. Yeah, but at <laughs> any rate, the um, the point is certainly there. You know, I mean, it's it's just it's a situation, unfortunately, for Lexi Thompson that occurred that should not have occurred. And quite frankly, I mean, what might frustrate me even more is how. Mike Davis, for example, the USGA uh, <laughs> president, came is kind yeah. of like uh, he basically what he said after the fact was, you know, well, it could have been worse. I mean, in the in the end, and he's right about this. I mean, before the rule change to only be a two shot penalty, they could yeah, have, she would have been, dis- yeah, she, she been disqualified, which I couldn't only imagine. That's even more archaic, though. Like, oh, that's it not, is. That's not a matter of being worse. I mean, that's a matter of just being irrational. <laughs> yeah, right. Could you imagine? I mean, that telecast, oh and then they come oh up to her, and they have to take her off the course. I mean, I would have been swinging. I, honest to God, I'm like, you Head- are not going to take this this away from me. Heads would have rolled. <laughs> yeah, literally. Both literally and figuratively. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Somebody would have been fired for that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, just to quickly say, too, I mean, I, I don't remember the woman's name that had to go and actually – give the information to Lexi, but that's got to yeah. be the worst job in the world. Oh at that my moment. God. Can you imagine that? So you get a call and say, Hey, uh, guess what you get to do today? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, man, talk about, draw, talk about draw, drawing the short straw. <laughs> right. Right. And I think, you know, for what it was, even though it was a crappy situation all around, I mean, it, to her credit, and again, I apologize if I don't remember her name, but she, she handled it pretty well. I mean, she said, and she know, even said afterwards, she said that walking out there, I was like physically ill knowing what I had to do. So right. at least she did kind of recognize that she wasn't doing it out of her, any enjoyment to her at all. And quite, in fact, quite the contrary there. So definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Mr. Dan Hauser. He's from uh, he's a contributor to Lynx Magazine. Uh, Dan, as always, I appreciate you, uh, even on short notice, coming on to talk <laughs> about something that I know uh, irked both you and me. Yeah, it's always, uh, it's always great talking to you. And, folks, we will be back again uh, next week, maybe twice next week, with another guest. Until then, this is Adam signing off. <laughs>